You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. My name's Sam Levy. I'm the senior minister here at St. John's and uh, always a joy and a wonder to be worshipping with you this morning. And also a wonderful privilege to bring uh, what is, I think, one of the most glorious uh, ideas or themes that you find in the Bible to us this morning. Uh, often I'll start with a story or a question and try and grab your attention, but I think if you are not grabbed by this theme, then a little story or a question is not going to do it. I'm just going to jump straight in because today as what we're doing is we're, we're pulling the veil aside between heaven and earth and we're looking at the ascended Lord Jesus Christ at the right hand of God in power, above all authorities, every ruler and principality, every king, he's the name above every name, sitting in glory, in authority over all things. Over the last few months, it feels like, I think it's been about six months, we've been looking at kingship in the Bible, and finally, after we've gone all the way from 1 Samuel 7, we finally get to the story of the kingship that is today. This is where the kingship is up to. We've caught up with the present moment. And there is nothing more practical, nothing more uh, immediate than the fact that Jesus is enthroned today at the right hand of God in power. There's no truth that more impacts your moment than that. And so we're going to be having a look at it. Where is Jesus now? What is he doing? Well, Jesus is reigning. Jesus is enthroned in glorious majesty Jesus is present in wondrous intimacy. Jesus is the guardian of the church's destiny. So firstly, Jesus is enthroned in glorious majesty. Uh, As we've been going through the story, we've gone through Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. And uh, following his resurrection, it's not just that he's alive, he's ascended. Acts chapter 1. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There's uh, two meanings of the word ascended. One is up. He went up. And certainly the Bible talks about him going up. But that's not the primary truth that the Bible's trying to tell you about in the ascension. Uh, So it says that Jesus, uh, while they were gazing up towards heaven, uh, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. What's the cloud? It's not just a passing cumulonimbus that happened to get in the way as he was going up towards heaven. What's, what's the cloud? If you look at clouds in the Bible, it's a wonderful theme. Go away, look in a concordance, have a look at clouds in the Bible, and what do you discover? Well, you might be able to remember you, that as Jesus, uh, not Jesus, before God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, took God's people out of Egypt... Uh, they, God went before them in 
a cloud. You might remember as they come to Mount Sinai and they're giving the law, what happens? God appears in thunder and lightning and in a cloud. You might remember when Solomon has constructed the temple and he dedicates the temple and asks God to come and fill it and the presence and the glory of God fill the temple in a cloud. You might remember as Jesus is transfigured on the hill, you see Elijah and Moses on his left and right and then a cloud comes and out of the cloud comes the voice of God the Father. This is my son, listen to him. What's a cloud in the Bible? It's a representation of the presence and the glory of God himself. And so the primary meaning, as Jesus goes up into the cloud, what's he doing? He's going into the very glory of God himself. He's joining with the Father. And that's really the primary uh, meaning of his ascension. Jesus has ascended to be with God the Father in glory. See, the second meaning of the word ascension is to ascend the throne. Uh, Earlier this year, uh, King Charles ascended to the throne on the death of his mother. And you might have seen in the news, within 24 hours of Queen Elizabeth's death, uh, they formed what's called an ascension council. And so this was King Charles at the ascension council council where he is confirmed as the king and he sits down on the throne behind him there as he's ascended to the throne as the king. Well, Jesus' ascension is his ascension to the throne at the right hand of God in power. And so Ephesians 1 verse 20, God put this power at work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come. Jesus has been placed in authority over every authority, in fame above every name. He is enthroned in glory. And that means there is no authority in this world that, it is, that is above him. Uh, you have people in authority over you. You maybe have a boss at work. Jesus is infinitely more in authority and infinitely higher in authority. You may, uh, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, Daniel Andrews has won another dance slide. Uh, sold, said to be the most powerful Victorian premier uh, that we have ever had. But there is an authority in Victoria that is far above his. There is a, uh, that wasn't a political statement, it's just a statement of fact, okay? That was uh, uh, far above the, uh, Daniel Andrews. Uh, Xi Jinping, President Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping, was confirmed as the leader of China this year, probably for life. He is probably the most powerful person in the world currently. But there is an authority and a power that is far above his. And so as you look out on the world and you see war, or as you look out on your world more closely and you're perhaps having trouble with your boss or whatever it might be, there is an authority over that authority. 
Jesus is in charge. He is Lord of all. And however much things uh, look like they're out of control, Jesus still reigns above all. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one above all authorities, every premier, every president, every king, every prime minister. Jesus is Lord. And that has infinite effects on your day-to-day life. He is Lord over every circumstance, everything that happens. The good, he is Lord of it. The bad, he is Lord of it. The health, he is Lord of it. Your concerns, your worries, he's Lord over it. And he's Lord over it for your good. You see, God, Jesus does know you. We get that picture of Jesus as above the heavens and we can feel like with his ascension and we're waiting for his return that this is a period of his absence but no Jesus is enthroned in glorious majesty yes but he's also present in wondrous intimacy he's close to each of us he's not absent Jesus himself said remember I am with you always to the end of the age For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Well, we are gathered here this morning in his name. And so Christ is here. Christ is among us. Christ is present. He knows you. He sees you. He uh, knows all that is. You came to church this morning. That wasn't a surprise to Christ. He met you at the door. And as he is here with us, uh, he guards our thoughts. He guards our hearts. He teaches us. He uh, loves us. He protects us from all the assaults of the evil one who doesn't want us to hear what he's saying. He's right here among us. How is that possible? You might remember as Jesus was talking about his uh, going away in John chapter 16 and the disciples were really sad because they thought, like, Jesus going away, that's terrible. He says, now I'm going away to, to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you if Jesus didn't ascend uh, he's resurrected he's in a human body he's present in one place only but if he ascends he can be present both in the throne at the right hand of God the Father and also by his Holy Spirit whom he sends uh, with us now And so Jesus isn't sitting at the right hand of God, reposed in power. He's present by his spirit. He's at work hearing our prayers, protecting our thoughts, growing us in faith, leading us in worship. He's here presently by his Holy Spirit and sanctifying us and and, uh, 
giving us the eternal hope that we have. Uh, he's also sitting at the right hand of God the Father and sustaining all things by his powerful word, the Bible says. And so the only reason you can sit there right now is because he sits there in heaven and is sustaining all things, giving you each breath, as making all of the universe function. Uh, he is sitting there in power. And he's not just sitting back in glorious power. Uh, he's also, the Bible says, interceding for us. So Romans chapter 8. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It's Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Now, what is, what's he doing when he's interceding? What does intercession, interceding mean? Well, interceding, sometimes we get the idea that what interceding is, is he's getting between us and God. There's God the Father, and he's up there in heaven, and he looks down, and uh, we're sinning again, and he goes, that's terrible. I'm going to smite them, I'm going to wipe them out. And then Jesus comes in and speaks on our behalf and says, Father, remember, I, I died on the cross. Don't smite them. And the Father says, right, yes, I'm so glad you are here to intercede. No, that's not how it works. The God the Father, from the beginning of time, planned with the Son and the Spirit to bring you into forgiveness and into his grace. The Father doesn't need reminding about the death of Christ. But what is intercession? It's the speaking on behalf of one person to another. And so what is Jesus doing when he is interceding? Sometimes here at church, when we do the prayers, we call them the intercessions, don't we? He's speaking to the Father. And what is he saying? Well, we actually have a few places in the Bible that tell us what he was, what he's saying. Uh, we've got a little window in John chapter 17 of, of the kind of intercession that Jesus is making. So John chapter 17, Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Uh, Jesus is coming before the Father and, and again and again and saying, uh, protect my, my precious ones, the ones who I bought with the blood of the cross. He intercedes for you. He says, Lord, protect Anne, protect Hannah, protect Mitch, protect Noel. As the evil one comes and tries to snatch his word away and the faith away, he's praying for your protection and acting for your protection by his spirit. But now I am coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. He's speaking to the Father about filling you with his joy, reminding you of all the joy and wonder of the things that he's done on the cross for you. He wants you to have the fullness of joy that he has won. And so he speaks to the Father. Give them joy. And he says, sanctify them in truth. 
He says, keep them, keep speaking your truth to them. Uh, Keep on reminding them of your grace and your mercy. Keep reminding them of what I have done upon the cross and my present reign and my returning glory. Keep speaking to them of the truth. And so that as that happens, Lord, be at work by your spirit, sanctifying them, growing them in holiness and looking forward to that day that is to come. Uh, Jesus cares for you. He loves you and he speaks to the Father of you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? God the Father, spoken to by Christ the Son for you. Yeah. Why do we talk about his crucifixion at Christmas and not his birth? During, yeah, well, hopefully we're talking about both. Uh, we talk about his incarnation, which is incredibly important, that God came to us. But the reason we talk about his crucifixion at Christmas as well is because the reason he came was so that he might come and die upon that cross for our forgiveness. And that's the event that gives the incarnation, the events of Christmas, their meaning and their glory and their wonder. And so we speak of both. And so God the Son is speaking to the Father on our behalf. But that's also wonderful. He is there enthroned in glorious majesty. Jesus is present in wondrous intimacy. And Jesus is the guardian of the church's destiny. Now, it's true that he is intimately involved with you, that he loves you personally and speaks to the Father of you, uh, but it's also a much bigger thing. He's the guardian of the church's destiny. We're a church, we're a gathered community, and uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says this, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things. Why? For the church. For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is a glorious thing. The church is the gathered people of God and it is the most beautiful and glorious thing that there is. People from every uh, country, every ethnicity gathered together as the people of Christ, young and old, gathered together. And it can be... I know sometimes church, you can look at church and think, oh, I'm, like something happens, someone does something and you think, oh, the church is hopeless, it's terrible. Ah, but... The reality is, as flawed as the church is, it is the fullness of him who fills all in all. And all the authority that the Lord Jesus Christ has, all his glory and all his majesty, is for the church. It's for the church. However insignificant the church may seem. And when Paul wrote those words, it was very insignificant. There was hardly anyone. They were persecuted. They had no authority. They had no power. But behind the church 
is every authority, every power, every, uh, every kingdom, it's Christ ruling for the good of the church. And the church is glorious because it's the one place where you know that all things are working for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. That God is at work using his authority for your good, for the good of his people and for the good of this world. Now, there are two ways in which God is bringing all things under Christ's feet at the present time. Uh, one of the ways that he is doing it is by his glorious grace. He's subduing unruly hearts one by one. And you can see this beautifully illustrated in the story of Paul himself. You know, the Apostle Paul. Before he was a Christian, he had authority. He had authority over the church, and what he did with that authority was he dragged Christians out of their homes, threw them in prison, and killed Christians. And so what does Jesus do? Who has all authority in heaven and earth. What does Jesus do? Does he come and protect his church? Yes, he does. But how does he do it? Does he come with all of that authority and crush him? No, what does he do? He gives Paul a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ enthroned in glory and he subdues him with his grace. That's how all things are being placed under Christ's feet. Uh, they are being subdued by his grace and by his mercy. One heart at a time. He is, God has done that for you. Your unruly heart has been brought under him if you follow him as Lord. And so uh, you come under his authority. And, and one of the glorious things that God has done with Paul was he went from uh, destroying the church to actually being one of the great propagators of the church. As someone who tells out the glory and the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ and sees many more people come to him. And God is at work today. No matter what country we're talking about, no matter if all the authorities in that country are totally against Christ, explicitly against the teaching of Christianity, Christ is there with all authority bringing his grace and his blessing and drawing people into his kingdom so that uh, today, there are more than 2 billion people as this uh, day unfolds across the globe who will be worshipping and praising the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all and all things are being placed under his feet. That's one way in which he is doing it. And this is the era in which we're in as Jesus sits upon the throne. It's the era of his grace. But there will come a time when all things will be placed under his feet, if not willingly, then against their will. Because there is a time where the king will come. And we'll talk about this more next week. When the king will come. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that all that is evil, all that is wrong, all that brings pain, 
all that is brings the tears and the darkness is put to an end because that too is part of his grace and part of his love that if people will not bow to him and then in his grace and his love he will bring his kingdom in its fullness because we cannot love him and worship him and honor him and be free of the darkness and the pain and the problems until he does that. And that's why he's the guardian of the church's destiny. Because there is a day where we will, by the grace of God, and because he has all authority in heaven and on earth, when he will call us to see him face to face, And he will not just be present with us in spirit, we will be present with him in body. That we will be able to stand before the throne of God, before the throne of our Saviour. And we'll be able to see the wounds on his hands and see the wound in his side. And we'll be able to glorify him and adore him and love him and praise him for all the wonder of what he has done as we're gathered before the throne of glory. And that destiny is sure because he sits on the throne today and has all authority, all power, and a name above every name. Jesus is enthroned in glorious majesty. Jesus is present now with us in wondrous intimacy. Jesus is the guardian of the church's destiny. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you have spoken to us and that you have exalted your Son to your right hand in glory. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you and praise and honour you. We thank you for all that you have done for us upon the cross, done for us in your life, done for us in your resurrection. But most of all, Christ, we thank you for what you do today, that you're here among us that you know us, that you love us, that you lead our church and that you lead us to the glorious destiny that you have prepared from before the beginning of time, that we might see you, that we might be with you, that we might know the fullness of life and glory that you created us to live. And so would you continue to intercede for us, continue to sustain us, continue to uh, speak with the Father for Uh, uh, forgiveness and mercy uh, that you continue to give us your joy that you continue to fill us with a vision of the glory of who you are that we might live for you not only today but at work at home in whatever sphere because every sphere is under your throne and so we look forward to that day when we uh, come before you and see you with our eyes, with our, in our very presence and worship and glorify you in truth and in all glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.